What's the plan? Is there a plan? No. There is no plan. There is no plan. No one's got one. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. There's no plan. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle I got a plan. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. We're also heard up in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Up in Grand Rapids on WPRR, down in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas, on KPSQ. In Seattle, on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950. KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe, even during pandemics. On the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast, or as we call it, Radio to Quarantine By. I will get to um, details in a bit, but I am breathing... A small sigh of relief today uh, while actually still holding my breath because this could change at any moment, even while we're doing the show here. But after spending the last week and a half or so reporting on Wisconsin's insanely scheduled presidential primary, statewide Supreme Court election and other municipal races that had incredibly still been scheduled for Tuesday, April 7th. And had not been postponed, despite the coronavirus pandemic, a a near impossibility of finding poll workers willing to risk their lives uh, to work the polls in Wisconsin and a a statewide stay-at-home order that would actually make it a crime to go and vote, as one listener pointed out to me, based on Governor Tony Evers' stay-at-home order, which does not include an exception for voting. Uh, that, as both the Democratic governor and the Republican majority legislature failed to take action to change it, they were keeping this date the same. Well, the governor finally, finally today came around to realizing, um, well, in recent days that this was a big, big problem, even as he insisted that the only that only the legislature could postpone an election or order it to be carried out completely by mail ballots. Well, today. Uh, Evers finally took action uh, to simply postpone the election, having the authority or not, 
Uh, he did this on Monday morning, but I am very glad that he did. And we'll see if it stands because, incredibly, Republicans are challenging that. They want the polls to stay open. So more on that uh, a bit later. But as I said, for the moment, breathing a, a tiny sigh of relief over that anyway for the moment. Uh, also, we spoke on Friday's broadcast with the filmmakers Simon Arduzzoni and Russ Michaels about the fantastic, chilling new documentary on HBO called Kill Chain. The Cyber War on America's Elections. We uh, broke the news on that show on Friday that HBO will be making that documentary uh, from the same team, Simon and Russ, uh, that made the 2006 Emmy-nominated Hacking Democracy. Uh, they will make that uh, film. HBO is making it available for free through May 26, I believe it is. It is uh, now available on HBO's YouTube channel where you can watch the entire film in its entirety. Or you can stop by bradblog.com, listen to my interview with Simon and Russ on Friday, which is also free, of course, thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help keep our archives free. Um, and I link to it there, uh, link to the free version of the film over there with my uh, Friday show posting. Given these uh, dark days that we are now under, uh, we are always on the lookout here at the Bradcast for encouraging news of late, no matter how slim and no matter wherever we can find it. And there has been uh, some very thin, very thin threads in recent days that we've been able to grasp onto, no matter how uh, fragilely. Is that a word, Desi Doyen? I don't. I don't think fragilely. I think. I, don't. I think it is. Well, right. You know what? I'm not going to say. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it is. But Desi Doyen <laughs> says yes. Yeah, so we're going with that. Uh, in any event, uh, Italy's death toll may be plateauing. Confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Spain appear to be falling, and New York saw its very first decrease in its reported daily death count on Friday, even as the numbers remain horrendous. Uh, but suggesting that maybe, just maybe, uh, New York might be reaching its peak, plateauing, maybe even turning a corner as well. Maybe. We'll see. Encouraging signs all, at least uh, potentially encouraging signs. Uh, so much that it seems to me that it has filled Wall Street today with what former Fed chair Alan Greenspan once famously referred to as irrational exuberance. With the Dow Industrial Average shooting up on Monday more than 1,600 points or 7%, like it's all over, everything's well, nothing to worry about. Well, that is good for the market, I suppose. That's good for Wall Street. Maybe even it's good for a lot of uh, Americans' uh, 401k plans that have been taking quite a beating. But yes, it seems wildly, irrationally exuberant, frankly, since most signs suggest this is going to get much worse for quite a while, with many hospitals incredibly stressed and under-equipped still for this emergency, continuing shortages of personal protective equipment, ICU beds, ventilators, and yes, even simple test kits. As we are now several months into this crisis and with the official U.S. death toll, Blowing past 10,000 confirmed uh, coronavirus-related fatalities on Monday, uh, that number is likely to be, uh, frankly, blown away by the time most listeners even hear today's broadcast. That's about four 
9-11 attacks in total, that number, 10,000, where actually I think last I saw it was 10,300-something. About four 9-11s, if such comparisons might mean anything to you, uh, in the U.S. alone, by the way. Clearly, it means little to the president of the United States at this point, with some of the current data projections suggesting that beginning in a few days, perhaps starting over this coming weekend, we could begin seeing, what is it, one 9-11 attack worth of American deaths every day for the next, uh, how many, 10 days or so in a row, does he doing? Yes. When you look at the University of Washington tool that allows you to punch in dates and locations for the entire United States, that's one of the projections, just one of the projections. But it is a serious projection that does say that starting April 11th, we could see that every single day for a nine eleven a day a nine eleven a day and by the way that's from uh, Washington uh, State University I think it is that is one of the more conservative uh, sets of data that yes. I have seen uh, so yeah we have a long way to go before this uh, thing gets better uh, or even begins to really get better and even then there remains no clear plan from the federal government for how to get there and as importantly how are we ever going to get out of this disaster without an uh, an economy uh, deeply in tatters on par with or worse than the Great Depression. As I've been noting for the past several weeks, nobody, nobody is steering this ship at the federal level. There seems to be no plan. And efforts by the Trump administration to manage this crisis remain chaotic, scattershot at very best. And frankly, that is being very generous right now. Anyone under the impression that this is going to be uh, done by the end of April or even May or even summer may not be reading the same science and experts that I am looking at. Uh, We need to be prepared somehow for a very, very long haul here. And a stable, well-run federal government is desperately needed to help us all through this mess. All of us. Sadly, right now, we have anything but. And I've been trying to raise this alarm for some time uh, so at least broadcast listeners get themselves and their families prepared for the long haul because I think it's going to be long. So I was happy to see Jake Tapper on his uh, Sunday State of the Union program on CNN raise many of these points uh, to point out uh, that uh, there is no plan. And that, uh, you know, hopefully when Jake Tapper says it uh, in a way that, you know, maybe just maybe it'll get someone's attention in the White House in Washington, D.C., or at least uh, above and beyond listeners to the broadcast. Here was Tapper on Sunday. If I can take a moment, I would like to speak directly to one person known to watch this show or at least clips of the show, President Trump. Mr. President, I know you like millions of Americans, are eager to have the nation go back to some semblance of normal. One of the questions the American people need answered for that to happen responsibly, what's the plan? Is there a plan for widespread testing of every American so as to isolate the virus the way other countries have done? When will there be enough tests for that to happen? How will they be administered? Who will pay for the tests and the results? Who will notify us as to whether we've tested positive or not and what to do then? Is there a plan to make sure doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals finally are able to get the personal protective equipment or PPE that they need? 
Those healthcare workers are quite literally dying while they try to protect our society and save lives, and they're, they're begging for PPE. They don't need to be told that their governors or their hospital directors are doing anything wrong by trying to get those supplies to protect their lives while they try to save our lives. They need to know that there's a plan to get them the supplies they need. Governors and mayors right now are literally bidding against each other and against the federal government to try to get these supplies. This is escalating the prices and causing confusion and unnecessary bidding competition. Is there a plan to stop that? What is it? What about ventilators? New York City Mayor de Blasio said today would be the day his city could run out. Governor Edwards said his city or state could run out on Thursday. Is there a plan to expedite the manufacture of ventilators? It's still not clear whether you have fully utilized the Defense Production Act. Have you? Are any companies being compelled by the U.S. government to make ventilators? And when will they be made? When can hospitals get them? What about the cotton masks that the CDC is now suggesting that we all wear when we leave our homes? Is someone manufacturing them? How can we get them? Is there a plan? Please, Mr. President, the American people, they need answers to these questions. They are less interested in your popularity on Facebook. Thousands of Americans are in mourning. They're horrified when you make leering allusions to your history with models while discussing projection models of mass American deaths. Attacking governors and mayors and journalists for asking questions? That might please your fans. It doesn't save one life. This is not about winning a news cycle on Fox, please. The American people right now need someone to explain what is going to be done to get us out of this. It's a moment that requires leadership. It requires honest information. It requires empathy. And it requires a plan. Do you have one? No, he doesn't. The federal government doesn't. The Trump administration doesn't. Meanwhile, what little the government is doing is clearly not enough. Even as the $2.2 trillion emergency relief bill that was adopted by Congress and signed by the president a little over a week ago, uh, that is approximately half the size of the normal annual U.S. uh, federal government budget, but even that is not nearly enough. But with that uh, bill, those provisions included in it, those were also rushed at best, and they have been stumbling out of the block when it comes to the immediate, if far too meager, relief that is supposed to supply is, is supposed to be supplied to individuals and small businesses. We reported last week that the $1,200 payment earmarked for individuals making less than about. Uh, $75,000 a year will not be showing up in people's bank accounts, presuming they have a a direct deposit account on file with the IRS until sometime next week at earliest. And for those who do not have direct deposit already set up, it could be months before the government is able to send out all of the uh, tens of millions of paper checks that are supposed to go out. 
And there are a lot of folks who will never get a check at all, even though you've heard this reported that, oh, anybody who makes uh, less than 78000 or whatever it is, is going to get a $1,200 check. Not true. I'll try to get some of those exceptions in a little bit later uh, if I have time. Also in the same relief bill, there is a $350 billion loan program for small businesses meant to be meant to give uh, forgivable loans. Uh, to these businesses up to $10 million if the bulk of the money is used to keep employees on payroll. But that program has also stumbled out of the block when it was supposed to have uh, opened for business on Friday. According to NBC News over the weekend, one day after the launch of a $350 billion loan program designed to rescue millions of small businesses pummeled by the coronavirus pandemic, technical glitches continued to cripple the ability of the nation's top lenders to begin processing the loans, throwing into doubt uh, when any of the applicants will start receiving any of the money. The lending program, which forms part of the $2 trillion corona, it's called Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic Security, or CARES Act, it is a it's a much you know if they spend as much time coming up with the name coming up with how the bills work as they do with a a name so that they can call it the CARES Act. Anyway, the CARES Act is a much needed lifeline for some 30 million small businesses across the country, says NBC. It offers loans up to 10 million dollars to companies who employ fewer than 500 people. Those loans are forgiven as long as the businesses meet certain conditions, such as using the majority of the funds to pay workers' salaries for the eight weeks following the loan's closing. Now, two points for a start. There's a lot of fine print in that uh, companies who employ fewer than 500 people requirement uh, in the emergency relief bill. In fact, that includes huge companies larger than 500 people who are arguing that if they have fewer than 500 people working at any particular location, then they should still qualify for what is essentially free money from this relief bill. So if a huge you know, hotel chain, for example, has no more than 500 people working at a franchised hotel, that hotel, in theory, could apply for these funds. In short, there is a, a lot of huge corporations that are able to call themselves small businesses here in order to get in line for this money. Second, the confusion and chaos since the program opened, um, calling it a technical glitch is a very generous way for NBC to describe enormous problems that are only beginning to uh, become clear in uh, in this particular program, though David Dayan of the American Prospect has been warning about these problems now uh, for the past week or more. Actually, since this stimulus bailout bill was in the works, he was warning about this even before its final passage. Uh, just over a week or so ago. Dan is a longtime investigative financial journalist, and he's uh, now the executive editor of the American Prospect. He has been writing about this and much more related to the devolving COVID-19 crisis in his daily unsanitized report and newsletter from the Prospect detailing these concerns and many others that are not necessarily picked up by the mainstream media, corporate media, at least until well after David Dayan has already been pointing them out and warning about them. Uh, <laughs> David Dayan uh, joins us now for a few updates on the latest. Mr. Dayan, great to have you here, sir. 
Okay, thanks, Brad. Welcome back to the Bradcast, my friend. Uh, so I want to ask you about this uh, payroll protection program I was mentioning that ignominiously kicked off on Friday. But you also reported over the weekend in your unsanitized column at the Prospect about another problem on top of all of this, and that is bankruptcies. Why are people now having trouble filing for bankruptcies at a time when the number of such filings are expected to explode? Well, the courts are closed. I mean, that's the one big thing. <laughs> well, uh, as as with so many other things in our society, the, the bankruptcy courts are shuttered, and uh, there's kind of an uneven way in which people have uh, other options mm-hmm. to file electronically or or what have you, and most of those options are not available to you unless you have a bankruptcy attorney. A lot of people can't afford one, and they go through bankruptcy as a pro se litigant mm-hmm. uh, on their own behalf. And and those for those people, in a lot of jurisdictions, and this differs from state to state, mm-hmm. but in a lot of jurisdictions, they cannot, uh, they have to file either by mail, which will get to nobody, or they have to go to the courthouse, which is risking their lives, and, and the courthouse isn't open. They put it in the lockbox and hope for the best. Mm. So uh, uh, this this is a sort of a, a, a thing we knew about in just making it more difficult for consumers to use this you know lifeline to file for bankruptcy uh, that is being made worse by the crisis. And you also report there's another problem uh, in that that twelve hundred dollars that I was talking about that people get if and when they get it, that that also might be counted as an asset in bankruptcy and immediately confiscated by creditors in some bankruptcy cases? That's correct. So, um, you know, usually income is is separate from Uh a bankruptcy claim. So if you are making money, uh, that doesn't immediately get garnished. And in the bill, it says that this boost to unemployment checks would fall under that. So the unemployment increase would be held away from any kind of bankruptcy proceeding. However, the $1,200 stimulus check is just very unclear as to whether that uh, could be seen as, as you said, an asset, like a piece of furniture Mm. that would have to be liquidated and then handed out to creditors as part of the bankruptcy plan. This is a $1,200 lifeline that was supposed to go to people to help them in this time of need and if you decide, you know, you have to file for bankruptcy because mm-hmm. you have too many debts, uh, that money could be taken away from you. So you have to be wealthy enough, even though you're bankrupt, to get a, 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 to afford an attorney who can yeah, do an electronic order. filing. Uh, otherwise, good luck, you're on your own, and the courts are closed, you're out of luck. If you get 1200 bucks, that may be immediately confiscated. And then you write one other point on this uh, bankruptcies I want to ask you about. You write that another part of the emergency relief bill allows an extension of the bankruptcy timeline from five to seven years. That is good, so you got extra time to uh, get yourself out of this. But that only applies to existing cases not new cases, I guess. So if you, you applied for bankruptcy now, when most people would be needing to apply for bankruptcy, but if you apply after the $2 trillion relief bill was signed, the extended allowances for payments will not apply to you? Did I understand that correctly, David? You did understand that correctly. So, I mean, <laughs> extending the terms from five to seven years just gives you more time to pay a set amount of money. Mm -hmm. So it will lower your payments. 
uh, on a month-to-month basis. Mm-hmm. That's what's the benefit there. Uh, however, yeah, it, it is not, it's for existing cases. It's not for new cases. So if you find yourself broke and uh, in need of using bankruptcy, you're going to have that five-year plan, which means you're going to have a higher hardship than someone who filed, you know, a day mm-hmm. before the CARES Act passed and is considered an existing claim, and that will be a seven-year plan. So uh, there are a lot of inequities uh, that I think weren't really thought about when the bill was passed. And I, and I guess it shouldn't. We shouldn't be too surprised. It was an eight hundred dollar, eight hundred dollar, eight hundred page <laughs> bill uh, put together uh, incredibly fast. Hopefully, there will be a fix uh, to a lot of these problems. I noticed uh, Mitch McConnell appears to be in no rush whatsoever to move on to what would be uh, their phase four legislation here. Um, but based on the way it's going so far, they better hurry. Uh, David Dayan, uh, the Paycheck Protection Program with the acronym PPP, that started on Friday uh, last week. How did it go? Yeah, I would say uh, not well <laughs> is how it went. Um, there was only one major lender at the start of it, Bank of America, mm-hmm. that was taking applications. Uh, they said very explicitly that they would only take applications for people they had an existing lending relationship with. And uh, the reason for that is that uh, there's almost nothing that a bank has to do to verify this information uh, that is given to them by the small business in order to process the, the application. But there's one thing, and that is to make sure that there's not money laundering going on, uh, that, that, that these, aren't, these aren't fake companies that are scamming to, to wash money in some fashion. Uh-huh. So uh, they don't want to do that. That's a cost, right? To, to do compliance under the Bank Secrecy Act is a cost. And if you've already established a lending relationship, mm-hmm. you've already done that compliance. So that's why Bank of America wants everybody who they serve to, uh, in this program to have a lending relationship. So that, you know, meant that people who just never needed a loan from right. Bank of America, but were a small business that worked with them for 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. had no ability to work with Bank of America to get this loan. So there's an example of, of what happens when you run this, uh, these, these public programs through self-interested private actors. And, uh, you know, Bank of America is probably exemplary compared to the other lending institutions that didn't take applications at all or that capped their relief or that uh, said that they couldn't handle it until Monday on a first-come, first-served program, right? So, you know, any delay from your lender... Uh, means that you're further back in the line and, and, and maybe you won't get relief. There's $350 billion available here mm-hmm. and about 30 million small businesses that are out there that could be eligible for this relief. Uh, my calculations show that maybe 4 to 5% of all small businesses are going to be able to actually access this program. And that's not nearly enough to compensate for the need out there one study by the Wall Street Journal showed that 50% of all small businesses didn't make rent in April. And we're talking about 4 to 5% of all the small businesses that would otherwise be eligible for this. You think that the money is going to run out after 4 or 
have have gotten a loan. Yeah, it's just a math. It's just a yeah. math problem. Uh, you know, uh, Bank of America announced that eighty five thousand uh, people applied to them and for twenty two billion dollars in relief. And if you just do the math, yeah. you get to about one point three million small businesses that might be eligible for the full three hundred and fifty billion in relief. And 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 there are thirty million small businesses. So you know, you just do the math. There's not that many that are going to get this. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's why I'm just uh, one one of the reasons I wanted to play that uh, Jake Tapper thing. I don't know if you heard it. That it seems like you know we're kind of making things up as we go along here. There is nobody driving this ship. Congress actually did something. They got this bill, this two point two trillion dollar bill passed, large. Uh, you know, about half the size of an annual uh, U.S. budget. Uh, but it, it seems haphazard at best. It is something, but it is more than is going on at the White House, it seems to me, as far as a plan. And the congressional plan does not go nearly far enough. The um, And by the way, uh, David, that's supposed to be that money that, uh, whether it's Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, whoever, uh, is this set up so that, in theory, any bank... Uh, a small business can go to any bank and apply for this loan. This is not actually the bank's money, right? It's coming from the government, but the, uh, or at least they're 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 uh, uh, guaranteeing the loan. And so the banks here have they're just making nothing but money from this, right? They don't actually have to do any work. They can even sell off those loans just as soon as they close. This is a very easy money program for these lenders. Uh, Bank of America. You know, based on what they announced they got in the first day, mm-hmm. it's estimated they made $666 million in that one day of giving this money out because they get a percentage of processing fee on all the loans ranging between 1% and 5%. So, uh, you know, that's real easy money for not a lot of work. They don't have to verify anything. They get a, they get a two-page form from the, the small business owner, and they just put it through the system. So it, it's easy money. And a lot of lenders who aren't, you know, approved by the Small Business Administration want to get involved in this. Mm-hmm. The problem is, even though the SBA has said, yeah, we want all kinds of lenders to participate, there's some sort of application that they have to file to, to become a, an approved lender of the Small Business Administration. And the, the, the SBA has not given that application to anybody. So there are all these lenders that want to do the program that are barred from it, at least temporarily, and big banks who, you know, see this almost as a nuisance, uh, they're, they're able to do the program, but even though it's easy money and free money, risk-free money, they, they seem to not want to do it. And, and why is that? You, you indicated that, well, because they have millions to make here, not billions to make. Is that it's free money, but it's just not enough free money for, for banks like that? That's part of it. They are worried about liability. They don't want to be held responsible if the, 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 the small business owner lied to them about the amount of money that they wanted to receive. They don't really want to do any work or put any compliance into it. This is small potatoes. This is like... Uh, you know, the, what the branch uh, uh, banker can do, mm-hmm. a little teller. This isn't some rich trade that they can make billions of dollars off of. This is, you know, this is one by one, takes a lot of manpower, uh, and they just seem like it, there's just not a lot of upside into it for them. And so they're, they're, they're not spending a whole lot of time on it. And the lenders that might want to, 
are are being blocked by the Small Business Administration. We're also hearing that the portal where you have to upload these applications mm-hmm. from the banks to the SBA has been extremely slow and and, and creaky. So uh, it's almost like at every level, everywhere you go with this thing, there are roadblocks. And by the way, is there any particular reason, other than their slow website, is there any particular reason that just the Small Business Administration themselves aren't running this and people could, could, couldn't people just go to the SBA and make these uh, applications and get the money directly there uh, rather than having We're to doing- go through these middlemen? We're doing some reporting on this at the prospect, but what we know is that the SBA is one of the worst, if not the worst, agency in the federal government. They are they shouldn't have come a hundred miles from uh dealing with this program mm-hmm. that is so vital. Uh and and let's just be clear, any day of delay on this program could mean the life or death of hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of small businesses. Yep. These businesses do not have a lot of cash reserves. They do not have the ability to extend themselves if they're in a situation where they just have no revenue coming in. Yep. And uh, the SBA is just not a very swift program. This is the equivalent of 13 or 15 times the annual budget in terms of money out the door for the SBA. And they usually do that in the course of a year, and this they have to do in the course of a couple weeks. So they just aren't equipped to deal with this program, and uh, they probably should have put it in the hands of the Treasury Department, someone who Mm -hmm. deals with hundreds of billions of dollars on a a daily basis, uh, rather than this this backwater. And it makes you think, why was this this agency, which is pretty important, small Mm -hmm. businesses are are a pretty important lifeline, a big employer in this country. Mm-hmm. Why is this agency such a backwater? I mean, the, 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 the crisis is exposing, you know, all of these cracks and fault lines in our economy and in our government, and the SBA is no different. And is that, by the way, is the SBA still run by the uh, wife of uh, Vince McMahon, World Not Wrestling? Not anymore. No, she's, she's out? It, she was, uh, but she left, and uh, earlier this year, a lady named Jovita Carranza who was an executive at UPS uh-huh. uh, and, and and a former Small Business Administration official uh, took over. Good so, Lord. Uh, but, but the fact that, yeah, Vince McMahon's wife used to run <laughs> this thing should tell you exactly how serious And And meanwhile, you point out in today's Unsanitized over at uh, prospect.org that uh, in Switzerland— uh, you write, it took uh, Ma- uh, Matthias Nauer only a minute or two to complete and scan the single-page form for a liquidity lifeline from the Swiss government. About 30 minutes after sending it, the money was in his company's account. So they're just better than we are, I guess. Somehow or another, we are going to have to make America great again. Uh, David Dayen, one more point here. Uh, we've, we've been hearing, uh, this is from also uh, from today's Unsanitized. We've been hearing reports over the past several weeks of states competing with each other and with the federal government for supplies, paying, you know, 15 times market value for simple but very important equipment like masks and gloves and gowns and not to mention ventilators. Uh, you call it in uh, today's Unsanitized uh, an all-out Wild West show with middlemen and drop points and plane rescues. It's very exciting, but it's even worse <laughs> than that uh, in that the federal government 
is also competing with itself, as I understand it, between FEMA and the Strategic National Stockpile, or the SNS, uh, that they are sort of competing with each other, and that is further helping to crash the entire supply chain. So my questions, uh, very quickly, A, seriously? B, what's the, <laughs> B, what's the solution? And I guess C, when will that happen under this disastrous administration? Well, this is this is probably too long a subject to do uh, quickly. I will I will push people over mm-hmm. to prospect.org and they can read uh, uh, my 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 piece on this. But uh, the shorter the, the shortest version I can tell you is that uh, you know there are very few suppliers out with this equipment, and there are very many buyers out there in the world and also in this country, uh, and that usually means high, high prices. And one way that we could make it more coherent is for the federal government to say, okay, we're the buyer. We will distribute the stuff. We will be the the one buyer, the single payer, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, for this equipment, and we will distribute it. We will get it out to people. Uh, It turns out there was a program uh, in the Health and Human Services Department to actually put this forward in an emergency. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was called the Last Mile Project. They did a pilot on this two years ago, and then they scrapped it. (laughs) It just didn't go anywhere. Uh, And uh, for want of that, we now have this weird hybrid system that you just described between the stockpile and FEMA doing this, uh, almost acting as UPS for uh, private distributors, yep. uh, and, uh, and, and the same incoherent chaotic system still exists. So it would require, uh, you know, what would it require to fix this? It would require some actual coherence at the top of our federal government, which we don't see very often. Which, uh, you know, would be, uh, oh, just hilarious, government screwing up again, Trump administration can't shoot straight, except for the fact that we are in the middle of a global pandemic, and uh, tens of thousands of people are likely to die because of these particular screw-ups. I I can't recommend David Dayan's uh, unsanitized uh, daily newsletter uh, article, whatever you want to call it. You can get it in your email. You can go to prospect.org to get it. Uh, Go over to prospect.org, sign up for his uh, uh, daily unsanitized uh, report. You will uh, you will thank me later, even as we hope to bring uh, David back on the show more and more throughout this crisis, because I think he's doing a hell of a job reporting on it. Check that out, prospect.org. Uh, you can, of course, find them on the Twitters at The Prospect, and you can find our friend David Dayan on the Twitters as well, at D Dayan. Thank you, brother. Really appreciate your time today. Hope to talk to you again soon, my friend. All right, Brad. Thank you a lot. You bet. Okay, uh, we got to take a quick break because uh, we are running incredibly late. That said, I promised at the top of the show that things could change about Wisconsin and that uh, breath that I was breathing a little bit easier because the governor there had called off Tuesday's elections. I told you it could change. It has. The state Supreme Court, it looks like, has overturned the governor's executive order. Uh, while we've been on the air here. We'll take a quick break. I will figure out that story. I was going to give you details on him calling it off. Now i got to figure out what the details are about it being somehow back on. I am so concerned about the people of Wisconsin right now. Quick break, and we are back with more Bradcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. 
Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Yeah, well, good luck keeping people away from you at the polls in the great state of Wisconsin. Uh, I am just uh, gobsmacked by this. I shouldn't be, but I am. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. By the way, I do hope to open the phone lines uh, in uh, a few minutes if I can get to them. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. I've been trying to check in at least once a week just to hear from folks. Uh, so give me a shout if you want. Uh, it's It's been very good to hear from everyone, uh, you know, that you're doing okay during these insane times uh, and these stay-at-home orders and, and uh, now wear a mask orders that we have here in Los Angeles. Got any stories to help me feel better? Uh, any questions on anything we've talked about or even anything that we haven't uh, talked about? I'd love to hear from you. 818-985-KPFK. So... Um, Where am I here? Uh, So I have been yelling and screaming for the last week and a half or so about the fact that Wisconsin was actually still planning to run their presidential primary on Tuesday. Incredibly enough, in the middle of a global pandemic health emergency with more than 100 municipalities last week saying they were unable to find any poll workers to open up any polls. They couldn't find any poll workers willing to risk their lives to run an election, and I can't blame them. Milwaukee, for example, which usually has 180 polling places, they did they did say they would have polling places open. Instead of 180, they would have five. Five for this presidential primary on Tuesday, April 7, uh, along with the state Supreme Court election and municipal contest. Uh, contest. And the uh, Republican legislature for the past uh, several weeks, has been refusing repeatedly to take action, to take any action to either postpone the election or to mandate an all-vote-by-mail election. And the Democratic governor there in Wisconsin, Tony Evers, has been saying that he doesn't have the authority to change the election date, to postpone it, to order uh, an all-vote-by-mail elections. Uh, The Republicans there in the state uh, assembly agreed with Evers. They refused even late on Friday, as Evers has been saying, no, you know what? We have to do something. We cannot move forward with this. Late Friday, he asked for the, uh, the assembly to convene in an emergency session to deal with these issues. The Republicans refused. A federal judge last week said that he did not have the authority to postpone or cancel the election either. He chastised both the governor and the legislature for not taking action. Even as there is a statewide stay-at-home order issued by the governor that includes no exceptions for voting. So yes, while it probably won't happen, one could actually get arrested for voting in Wisconsin in the April 7 election at the polls. 
But the federal judge did, however, extend at least extend the deadline for applying for absentee ballots by one single day last week and extended the deadline for turning those ballots over uh, to your to your state, your city hall, your county, whatever it is, uh, about six days through April 13. And incredibly, after the judge did that last week, the Republican legislature actually filed an emergency appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court to block even those changes, those changes which would have extended the vote by mail in Wisconsin, but still blocked uh, or still allowed, I should say, uh, polling place voting on Tuesday in the middle of a pandemic. And mind you, that would be about 10,000 voters since in Milwaukee, very Democratic part of the state, uh, going from 180 polling places down to five that would be about 10,000 voters per polling place. I don't think they make masks and gloves uh, strong enough for that. I just, I, you know, so I, I have been incredibly worried about this. Well, uh, good news, sort of. We thought Monday morning, Tony Evers, the governor, said, you know what? I ain't doing it. I'm canceling. Uh, polling place voting. We just can't do it. It's just too dangerous. I'm issuing an executive order whether I have the authority to do so or not, and I'm delaying in-person voting until June 9. That was Tony Evers' plan uh, as of this morning, the day before the Tuesday election. And, of course, what did the Republicans do? They said, well, we're going to the state Supreme Court to overturn that. Now, the state Supreme Court is currently five to two right-wingers versus non-right-wingers. One of them is actually on the ballot on Tuesday. So he at least has had the decency to recuse himself, which means it's a four to two right-wingers versus progressives, liberals. And uh, here's the news um, that happened just in the uh, last segment as I was talking to you. Wisconsin's presidential primary election will proceed Tuesday under an order from the state Supreme Court that came just hours after Democratic Governor Tony Evers tried to postpone voting as part of a last-ditch effort amid growing fears over the coronavirus. The court ruled... Can you guess? Can you guess what the ruling was, uh, Des? How many uh, voted in favor or against? My yep. guess is that it fell along party lines. Yes, it did. Four, Surprise! Four to two on Monday that Evers uh, lacked the authority to move the election on his own. Uh, so at least as of now, I guess uh, there will be an election at the polling places on Tuesday in the Badger State in Wisconsin I, I'm just I, I, I'm I, I'm gobsmacked by this. I mean, it's, so it's it's a four to two because this one guy has taken himself out of the running since he happens to be on the ballot, which, by the way, gives you some idea about how about how and why Republicans would love to suppress the vote on Tuesday, because if progressives picked up that seat. Well, then the court would be uh, five to uh, I'm sorry, four to three uh, in favor of the right wingers. But that means it's just one seat away from flipping. So the Republicans are delighted. They don't mind at all. 
that people that Democrats are going to turn out because, there's, you know, there's a presidential primary on. The Democrats will uh, try to turn out and probably get themselves sick and perhaps die in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee. They're cool with that. The Republicans apparently are just fine with that. That works out real well for them if a whole bunch of Democrats die trying to vote on Tuesday, especially in a state with about 3 million voters in 2016, where Donald Trump reportedly won by just 23,000 votes, flipping that state from red to blue for the first time in decades. So, hey, you lose a few uh, Democrats along the way. Who cares? That's cool. No worries. We have to have our elections and we can't do it by vote by mail. We need people to show up and potentially die in the middle of a goddamn pandemic. And we are willing, according to the Republicans, they are willing to go to the state Supreme Court. They are willing to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. They're willing to go to the U.S. Supreme Court to try to block the federal judge who said, yeah, there can be an extra day of applying for absentee ballots last Friday. And yeah, you don't have to turn those in until the 13th of April. Why? Well, because there have been over a million people who have so far applied for a, uh, 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 an absentee ballot. But only about half a million have yet to be returned. Many of the people who requested a ballot have not even received one yet. And yet they're supposed to be turned in before Election Day or by Election Day if, uh, if, if the uh, federal judge, uh, if his order is also overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court, the stolen U.S. Supreme Court. I'll tell you what, all 50 states, all 50 states in this country, not to mention the 20 or so that still have primaries coming up that have postponed them. Most of them had the common sense to postpone them until June, early June. Well, those people better be ready for what is coming. And they better figure out how to get a vote by mail ballot to everyone who wants to vote and not put their states through what Republicans are putting uh, uh, Wisconsin voters through on Tuesday. And then beyond that, all 50 states better work real damn quick to start figuring out how they are going to run a safe election this November 3rd, the most critical election that this country has ever faced. We better damn well figure out how to run this safely so that everyone who wants to vote can vote. And it's going to take a lot of money. And I can tell you right now that Republicans are already trying to prevent that from happening. Democrats wanted to get $4 billion into this relief, emergency relief bill they passed a week ago. $4 billion. Republicans would only let them put in $400 million. We will continue to talk about this day in and day out on the broadcast until people start behaving like human beings. These Republicans telling us we are all in this together and then they're sending out people to die. Are you kidding me? Quick break and we're back with some of your phone calls. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. 
We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. It does seem like old times, doesn't it? Feels like uh, we're in the middle of World War II. I'm looking over at my board op, Kiana, in a mask, gloves. Good Lord. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Let's take a few quick calls. 818-985-5735. Let's go to Lynette in Los Angeles. Hey, Lynette. Welcome to the Bradcast. How are you? Hi, Brad. Great show. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I could have fell over my, in my seat when I heard the lieutenant uh, governor of Texas say, oh, well, you know, the old people, you know, they could sacrifice themselves and just die for the market. Yep. You know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I could have fell out in my so, God, Well, you know, we, the economy you know, is important. Because, people, the hell with them, right? The, but if we don't have an economy, right, that, let's that just kill everybody. Listen. Yeah. Listen, Brad, that is the general idea. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're talking about fascists like what we're dealing with right now. This yeah. is not the party of Lincoln, okay, because they their philosophy is the old, the weak, and now the Democrats must die. You yep. know, like you pointed out with Wisconsin. But what I was going to say was is that the conservative revolution did not end with Newt Gingrich in that contract with America. That is the contract on America. Yep. And that is the, the comeuppance of all of these years of neoliberalism and that uh, conservative revolution that we are dealing with. And the plan has always been no plan except this uh, oligarchic uh, disaster predatory capitalism. The, the president knew about all this way ahead, yep. and and his intelligence community tried to tell him, and he, he shrugged it all off. He didn't give a damn. He, he money to make. He held eight huh? rallies since since being told, since the administration yeah. was told about this, he, he told he held eight political rallies, and he played and he uh, played golf six times during the period instead of taking action on this. And the lack of action, that's their action. That yeah. That's the same plan, Boston by the way. Said, Boston Globe said he got blood on his hands. Oh, he and, does. And we need to tax that, we need to tax that $800 billion loot scheme that the Treasury uh, got going with that, that stimulus bill some kind of way, and definitely tax the uh, um, Amazon and them uh, on a ballot, like like uh, what they was talking about in Seattle mm-hmm. uh, for $500 million, because this has got to stop. It, and act like this is a global pandemic, and all these G7 and G20 people need to get together and get us a real treaty dealing with these pandemics, because it ain't going to stop. No, and, this, and it's not going to go away. It's not going to go away at the end of the month. This is got to go a long time. Thank you, Lynette. I appreciate the call. Yeah, and by the way, this uh, what you're seeing now, this lack of a plan, this uh, uh, preference that people die uh, in order to save the economy, that's also the Republican plan for global warming. Just want to mention that. The exact same plan. What you are seeing happening now is a a fast-moving version of global warming. They started by denying it, saying it was a hoax. Now they acknowledge it's happening, but they're not doing anything. Oh, they'll do a few things that they know won't work. 
And uh, basically, they don't care because they do not care if people die. 818-985-5735. Let's go to Jim in Long Beach. Hey, Jim, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, thanks, Brad. Sure. Appreciate all your uh, information, but we've got to move on to the next thing, counting the votes. Yeah. That's the whole nut of it, because no matter how many people vote, I'm not a Stalinist, but a Stalin son, it doesn't matter who votes, it matters who counts the vote. Right. Yeah, well... So we got to get there. we got to talk about it. All the people I've ever heard talk about, the whole voting, I've never heard anyone put that point out there, but I hope you will. Well, you, you need to listen to the broadcast more, my friend. Uh, I have been uh, making well, that point pretty much I, damn near every day for about 16 years. Uh, just so you know, because a lot of people say, oh, vote by mail is the solution to this problem. Okay, I'm not a huge fan of vote by mail, but in these circumstances, no. obviously it is necessary. However, vote by mail ballots are also counted by computers, either correctly or yeah. incorrectly. We don't know because nobody bothers to to check but at this okay, point well, you, are the, yeah. you, are the, you are the leading edge then because i don't hear john nichols or anybody else talk about it well you listen uh, listen to the broadcast and listen to uh, john when he's on my show i i give him hell about that all the time too jim we gotta hear it we gotta hear more of it thank you <laughs> thank you brother i appreciate it uh yeah you know at at this point though i mean we, we our bar has gotten so low the bar had been to fight to make sure there was a hand-marked paper ballot for every voter in america now it's just let's get a hand-marked paper ballot that they can vote safely at home uh, with vote by mail, which has, by the way, yes, a lot of uh, potential for fraud and, and all sorts of problems that uh, Democrats are not paying close attention to. It is not quite as bad as uh, the Republicans who are saying out loud, well, we don't want everyone to vote because if everyone votes in America, Republicans will never win another election. And that is actually literally what Donald Trump said last week. So he knows it. They know it. They all know it. They're just not supposed to say it out loud. I, you know, if everyone who wants to vote gets to vote, Democrats win, Republicans lose. Uh, thanks to our producer, Desi Doy, and thanks to my board op today, risking her life with mask and gloves, Kiana Williams, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. Join us tomorrow. Governor Don Siegelman is going to be with me. He was released, recently released from Oakdale Prison, where there's been a break, uh, a, a, a pandemic breakout of COVID-19 in the jail. We'll be talking with uh, Governor Siegelman live about that tomorrow. Until we meet then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.